Hey, so I'm not sure if you heard, but we are bringing back the private practice bootcamp experience. So listen, this will not be an ordinary bootcamp. Yes, that's right. We are glowing up your experience and your private practice. So what does this mean? Are you truly ready to glow up your private practice and your life? So I'm talking about crafting a big vision. Stop playing small. Who does that? Okay. We are dreaming big beyond just clarifying your niche. We are actually going to build up your confidence in your business as an abundant CEO. Now, listen, I've had the opportunity to host over 25 boot camps in the last five to six years. And I know that I am really good at teaching and delivering that information. But one thing that I have noticed that is missing with therapists right now is that they need a hype woman. They need someone to encourage them to show up and to glow up boldly and unapologetically. So here are the details. We start on May 20th. We are going strong for four days with also a bonus money session. We also have added our Facebook group with challenges and activities. Listen, y'all, we working. So in order to sign up to participate in all pieces, I want you to head down to the show notes and get on the bootcamp experience list so that you can get started with us. Now, also our private practice signature program DTA will also be opening soon. So make sure that you check the show notes and get on that notification list as well so that you can be the first to know about all the juicy bonuses that we have coming down the pipeline. It is glow up season. I will see you in the bootcamp. Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Great day, everyone. Welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast. I am your host, Dr. TK, licensed clinical psychologist and the number one therapist business coach. So what I'm going to be discussing today is my position, my thoughts on a question that comes very infrequently, but it has come up recently and I've decided to go ahead and go ahead and drop some nuggets on the podcast about it. And so someone recently had asked, do you need to have a doctorate degree in order to make a certain amount of money, aka explode your business or go beyond the typical 10K to 12K gross amount that a lot of therapists are going after, especially in their private practice when they're able to go full time. So in short, the answer is hell to the no. (laughs) You do not need a doctorate degree to explode your business. However, I am going to give you a lot more detail in terms of my position. Now, if you're new to my podcast, I first want to say welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. But also just a tip, you definitely want to either listen to this again if you are listening to it while you're not sitting still, because you definitely want to be able to take notes. Now, what my team does every podcast, which is awesome, and I've pretty much been starting to remind people to take a look at the show notes, is that we provide a beautiful summary and timestamps just in case you want to go back to maybe a specific area in the podcast, uh, but maybe you don't need to listen to the full thing. So let's go ahead and dive in, but I wanted to say welcome to the new and or returning podcast listeners in the Dope Therapist community. 
So um, first things first, I received my bachelor's, then my master's, and then my doctoral degree. One of the reasons why I chose to get my doctorate, simply put, I knew that I was going to go into entrepreneurship. I just didn't know when. I knew that I would not stay at my county job forever. I just didn't know when I would exit or what that exit would look like. But nevertheless, I enjoyed things like psychological testing and certain jobs that I may have wanted to have in my future, whether that were related to teaching, um, because as a professor, there are certain classes in which you teach that you do have to have background, whether it's of career and uh, CEs and licensure. So I wanted to position myself for that. And then I also wanted to position myself for actual jobs. So for example, in Southern California, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but the VA, you were required to have, you know, become a psychologist. You can be a master's level therapist in certain aspects of the jobs that they were hiring for. And so that's something that I considered as well, because I did a lot of assessments when I was in my pre-doc, post-doc, and when I was at schools and things like that. And so of course I had a love for testing. And so the doctorate degree was more of a desire for me to be able to secure a position and also to be able to leverage my ability to do psychological testing. And that was not my option when I just had my master's degree. And my master's was actually in clinical psychology, but they gave us the option, which I took, which is to stay an additional semester, take additional classes, get some additional internship hours related to direct care in a therapy clinic. And then I would be able to apply for my MFT intern, which is now called an associate pre-licensed status. So that is the reason why I chose to get a doctorate degree. So my belief is that a doctor degree is definitely not a waste of time. You will never hear me say that. Um, but I will say that you don't need a doctor degree to be successful in your business if you believe that a doctorate will give you credibility. So you can actually be positioned to do marketing and be taught and implement marketing strategies to explode your business. And of course, be able to niche yourself and brand yourself as the expert in a particular arena in the mental health field. So do I believe that someone with a master's degree, if they are very savvy with marketing and or branding, and then they potentially invest in getting help from a coach or a mentor, could their business explode and they don't have to go get a four-year to five-year doctor degree? Heck Yes, right? So the question is, do you have what it takes to build a strong brand, serve the community that you love, and go all in, right? So let's break that down. When I look at the dope therapist community, 95% of our community, including CE workshops that I host throughout the year, are master's degree clinicians, and they are killing it, killing it, 95%. Let me say that again, 95% of the clinicians who either come to workshops, come to live events, or show up and sign up for our programs are all master's degree, highly skilled clinicians, okay? So what you want to do is assess your skill set, whether you are considering going back to get a doctorate degree, or maybe you don't know if you have as a master's level what it takes, because sometimes we get so 
convoluted in the message of marketing that we're like, well, I didn't learn that in grad school. Therefore, I won't be successful. So I'm going to go back and get more letters behind my name. You still have to market being a doctor. You can't just show up and say, I'm a psychologist and say, that's enough. Like if I'm on a TV show, they still need to be able to hear me articulate what I can do as a psychologist to solve whatever's going on on a TV show, the problem, right? You can't do that with a master's degree. Yes, you can right? At least my students are taught that. So let's talk about assessing your skill set. What are you good at doing right now, even beyond therapy? So if someone were to ask me that question right now, I would say, um, if I were look at, to look at different components of my life, I for sure am upbeat in terms of energetic flow and creating motivation with other people. I love to teach, right? So if I look at those two, I would say, Teaching plus motivating, that's why I'm a great coach. That's why my students win in the program if they show up and do the work, of course, because you know you have to be able to see results based off of what you're putting in. But that's just one example. If I looked at another area of my life, I can say, you know, I really love to organize my home because I love my home to be clean. I love it to be decluttered because I also believe in manifestation and energy. And if you have a cluttered home, I feel like that stops your next level of abundance. That's just my personal thing, you know, that I believe in that also I spread across my community, like declutter your office space, declutter where you uh, sleep, declutter where you sit all day. It needs to be clean. It needs to be organized. So I love what I do. I know my worth. And something that you also want to think about in terms of your skill set is what would you do? Let's just say if money were not an issue, you were successful monetarily and intangibly beyond limits, what would you do for free? And again, my answer would not change. That's how I know I'm in alignment. That's why I continue to show up on the podcast recording 200 plus episodes in less than two and a half years. This is how I show up on a virtual party and I can do those virtual parties hands down at minimum once a week and not feel tired right? Because I know how to create boundaries. I know how to structure my time. I know how to delegate tasks off my plate, but I also know when to take a break. Okay. So in terms of what you will do for free, ask yourself if that, is that what you're doing right now? Because I hope that's the case. Okay. So I love teaching. I love motivating. Hence, I love coaching. And I also know my worth. What I do for a living in my business that I created myself, beyond my degree, even though my degree did help all of them, right? Is that it allows me the freedom to decide when and where I want to give value away for free. So I can choose to do a podcast every single day or once a month or every six months. I can choose to post videos, reels, go live on places like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or YouTube. I can choose to give away information for free and not feel any type of way about it, not feel bad about it. I don't feel any type of way if a client comes to me and says, hey, don't you cover that in BTA? Well, I cover all the other 95%, but if I'm sitting here telling people how to at least clarify who's their ideal client, I would love for people to come into DTA knowing their ideal client because it actually makes the rest of the program a lot easier. But it doesn't mean you can't join the program if you don't know that. But this is why I hyper-focus on certain areas over and over and over again on platforms like my podcast, because I know that sometimes as humans, it takes us about seven to 10 times to hear the same message 
over and over again until it sticks. Because the first time we hear it, it may be unexpected. You just click play because I emailed you and said I have a new podcast. Then you listen to it again when you were walking to the gym, but then you were multitasking, thinking about other things. Or you said you were going to take notes, but you didn't take notes. Needless to say, sometimes we are consuming information in a very mindless manner. Okay. So I can give away this information on various platforms, including webinars and virtual parties and feel really good about it. Why? Because I'm in alignment with doing what I love, right? Now, another way how I show up in terms of alignment as it relates to how this also explodes my business is my passion for also teaching future psychology students, whether they get their master's or doctorate degree, I'm talking about all the way to high school kids in a college program. I love to be able to, I'm going to say, mold a young mind for them to explore that there's other types of doctors out there because most kids will say, I want to become a surgeon. I want to become a dentist, you know, optometrist, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, did you know what you can do in the field of psychology? And I remember teaching a group of high school kids right before the pandemic happened. It was actually that semester. I started with them in January. It was a school in Watts out here, a sub-city in LA, and it's a charter school. So it was about maybe 30, 35 kids in the classroom. And they were very intrigued. Like that's one of my trends in terms of all the college campuses that I've taught at is like all the teachers and the deans know me. And it's funny because the deans are like, what are you doing to the students? Because when even the counselors are talking to these students, they give you the very like highest rates. And I'm like, is there something wrong with that? And they're like, no, but I'm just curious because it keeps happening back to back every semester. So like I've been called into the office when I, you know, I didn't do nothing wrong, but you know, it's like getting called into the principal's office or something. But I'm like, you know, well, what's up? And they were like, you know, we got your evals back. And again, like I remember teaching at Argosy, which is now shut down, unfortunately, but they were like, you know, in the undergrad master's and doctoral program, all these three levels, these students are rating you at a four and five out of five. You know, like, I think my lowest score was 4.5. Like, that's like awesome, crazy, right? And so it got to the point where I had to break down what I was doing with the students. And really, it was me showing up as the authentic version of myself. But it was also me showing up as the best version of myself and, and helping those students understand that it is never too early to start branding yourself. And so I would always intertwine professional development into the lectures and a lot of their discussion questions would come with a for real case study. And that was one of the things that they admired too, is that I was able to talk to them about things that are happening in real life beyond the textbook, you know, and what it really takes to work in a jail, what it really takes to collaborate with administrative staff and teachers at a school, because you say that you want to do all these things and make all this money, but do you have the assertiveness skills, the communication skills in order to explode your business, explode your career. Let's talk about that first. Can you explode your career? Can you go into a work site, whether you like the manager or not, and still kill it, right? So I'm going to insert this little story. It's not a little story, but I'm going to make it, I'm going to condense it to a shorter time frame. When I was working in the juvenile hall, Uh, My supervisor came over to the office and, you know, they're all about productivity, right? And I don't have a problem with productivity, honestly, because I do all of my work in a productive manner where 
I was ranking in like 80% and their goal is for you to hit 60% of your paperwork, right? And what that means is that out of 100% of the hours that you're working, because granted, when you're in jail, you can't pull the kids out. Like if they're in school, that's actually a lawsuit that happened a long time ago. So we have plenty of time to get our paperwork done. But when the kids get back to the dorm, we really have to be all in with seeing those kids and be very creative. Like I used to see kids on the basketball court in the corner. As long as we got confidentiality, let's walk over to a corner real quick and we can have your 30 minute session because y'all got an hour, you know, thing out here. And I would primarily, of course, not remove the kids from playing sports who didn't want to play. But those kids who didn't want to be outside, those are the kids that I would talk to. Like, you got to be creative. And so needless to say, my supervisor came over to the office and he had said, you know, I really want to ask you a question. Do you really take for he's holding my daily service logs? And I may have told the story on a previous podcast, but um, he was holding my daily service logs in his hand. And back then they were paper based. So a daily service log is you identifying the kids that you saw that day. Like what services did you do? How much time did you spend with them face to face doing paperwork, collaboration, collateral, calling parents, calling around to talk to the judge, the psychiatrist, like all these people, right? The probation officer and all that. So you have to pretty much capture all of your time, like a time audit that I talk about in the Dope Therapist Academy. And so that's why I'm so good at it, by the way, is because it was kind of ingrained in us if you've ever worked for an agency in which they get money from the county or Department of Justice. And so he had asked me, is it really accurate in terms of how much I'm capturing in terms of time with how long it takes me to do an assessment on a kid? Not therapy, because therapy is pretty much the same, like 30 kids, 30 minutes for each kid, because we can't do extended time because it's a holding tank and I got to make sure I see my kids. But still 30 minutes was pushing the max y'all because they were getting on me about you know, a lot of therapists, I called it and they did, they disliked it, but I called it drive-by therapy because I'm like, there's no way you can actually go just 1% deep with a kid if you meet with them for 10 to 15 minutes. And they were like, well, that's all I got. And I'm like, that's a lot. Like that means that you're taking hell alone to your paperwork leading up to this conversation. So I said, well, what's the problem? Because I can tell that the tone, his tone was cool, but I can tell this conversation was about to go left. So he basically said that, I said that I saw the kid for 45 minutes and I finished up a eight to 10 page assessment in another 45 minutes. I said, that's accurate, you know? And so I also shared with him just PS, I got my own templates. And so while other therapists are shuffling through all this paperwork, I have a very, very good memory. And my memory has created me the ability to capture information in a very quick manner. If you haven't noticed, I talk fast. I didn't say this to him, but I'm saying this to y'all like this, right? Um, I talk in a very fast manner. I've always had that since I was like four years old. But the way that I talk also speaks to the the quickness of my brain, which also speaks to my ability to take fast action, which is again, a trait that I don't want to give up. I've tried to speak slower, but that also means that my brain goes slow down. And I know that there's a time and a place for that in terms of decision-making, but like big decisions in my business and in my personal life. But at the end of the day, It has served me. Okay, so I don't want it to go away. So after us going back and forth and me even letting him know that I also created and shared with other therapists my short version of an assessment that is a one page, two column, back to back. And I took the time to actually create it. It's not in my daily service log. I didn't count it. But this is what I use when I see these kids. And I also just know, I mean, me and these kids grew up in the same hood. So I can break bread you know what I'm saying? And have a good rapport with them fairly quickly. 
And I don't know what's up with these other therapists because you don't have to be from this hood to build rapport quickly, but you need, you do need to get your head out that paperwork and off the computer and look at the kid. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't say all that to him, but I did come back and say, you know, what's the real problem? Like, I don't need to know any names because I don't want to necessarily assertively confront someone, you know what I'm saying? But what is the real problem? And he said in so many words that other therapists are starting to have a problem with it because your numbers are high. And when we talk about the statistics in terms of like percentages, you're the outlier. And I'm like, well, shouldn't y'all be happy that I'm the damn outlier? You know what I'm saying? Like, Y'all shouldn't be trying to correct me. And he was like, well, are you sure that you captured all your time? I said, listen, I'm not about to, and I'm not saying that you're telling me to, but I'm not going to fraudulently add numbers to this page to make these other damn therapists. And that is what I said. I'm not about to dumb my work down to make these other damn therapists stay at their four hour pace. Like, and I said, how long are they taking? Because I know how long they're taking because I see the daily service logs when I'm in an office and I'm like, hell to the no. So if you're telling me that it took you an hour and a half to see this kid, first of all, that's BS, but okay, maybe you did, which is why you're seeing one damn kid a day. Then you're telling me that you took four hours to write the report and you've been here one year, five year, 10 years. I mean, come on, the intake ain't changed that many damn times, Right. And so he was like, all right, all right, all right. And I'm like, I'm not changing the way that I see my kids. I'm not changing the way that I do my billing. I'm not adding on any more hours. I'm very, when it comes down to numbers, I am very ethical. Y'all ain't about to try to throw my ass under the bus if something goes down with this paperwork in court, because these kids can't get subpoenas to court. These kids can become adults, graduate to adult prison, and then all of their records are subpoenaed. I'm good. I don't want my name on nothing that looks sideways. Okay. So needless to say, I'm always showing up as the best version of me. And I'm not saying for you to compare yourself to how I showed up, but that's just an example of me aligning myself with my core values, which are also the core values of my business and recognizing that I hold the same standards for my college students. And I hold the same standards for my coaching clients, right? So show up as the best version of you all the time. When I was teaching the master's level students, whether it be in coaching and or in college programs, one of the things that I often did pretty much like the last, um, like the end of the cohort, but it was also be embedded in the entire uh, semester, whether the semester was five weeks or 15 weeks, is that I would have them highlight their gifts. And that's one of the things that we do in DTA, for example, in the end for niche or niche, however you want to say it, right? Is that we talk about, okay, now that we clearly know that you can have a profitable private practice and we now know who your ideal client is, at least for this season, because you can always change all your ideal client. It does not have to be the same for the rest of your life. And I think that that's what causes a lot of angst and pain. But nevertheless, now we can play around with when we get to that fourth part of the framework, what is it about that ideal client that you also want to create in terms of other products and services? When you're working with those clients, more importantly, what have they told you that they wish you had? Do they wish that you had all these homework assignments in a book? Could some of those homework assignments be given to the general public if it don't go too deep in their mental health? Think about that. That's another stream of income, right? So also a tip in terms of mindset and showing up as the best version of you beyond a degree is all internal. Tell yourself to be 1% better than what you were yesterday. That is very important and that is the compounding effect. So let me use like nutrition, for example. I, from time to time, definitely eat French fries. Okay, fried fish, you know what I'm saying? Yams, greens. And even though some of that stuff is considered like good carbs per se, 
Um, some of them, you know, I didn't list all of them, but they might have a high level of, uh, what is it? Sodium, a high level of sugar, you know, carbs, you know? And so even though I may have that today, it doesn't mean I can't start over the next hour. It's kind of like a kid's behavioral chart. What do we tell little kids? Oh, Johnny, even though you ended today on brown, tomorrow you're going to go back to green. Why do we do that with children? Because we don't want them coming in with a pissy attitude that they had yesterday. So whatever happened in your business yesterday, it's not today. Okay. So as we sum up today, Part of the reason why I did this again, as I mentioned earlier, is that some clinicians believe that they are unable to explode their business if they don't have the highest degree in the field. So if you are a person and you want a doctor degree, let's just say you have a master's degree, whether you are licensed or not, but you have been desiring a doctorate degree before going back to school, I want you to ask yourself two questions. So the first question is, why do you want it? Why do you want it? And I told you why I wanted it. I wanted it because of the positioning that it would give me with jobs and potentially psychological testing. Those were my main two. That was a differentiator between my master's degree and my doctor degree. Now, one thing that I did not get into is that personally, I had a very crappy internship experience where I don't feel like I went deep enough with understanding the DSM and understanding how to do true interventions in client work, even though my clients were progressing in my master's degree, if in supervision, someone were to ask me what theoretical orientation did you use, I wouldn't be able to tell them because I feel like my master's degree went by way too quickly and not all professors went that deep with making sure that we understood it. It was more like a rat race of going through the DSM. So that was more of a personal nature in terms of also why I chose to get the doctorate degree. So after you've asked yourself, why do you want it? The second question is, what will you be able to do with it beyond what you cannot do now? And I'm assuming that, for example, you already have a master's. What will you be able to do with a doctorate degree beyond what you, you know, can do right now? Okay. So let me just let you know, if you haven't already figured this out, letters, acronyms, don't change who you are. It only gives you, for example, in the job, a pay bump. And maybe you can do psychological testing because truth be told, when I was working in the jail, we couldn't do psych testing. Psych testing had to be done by an external agency because of the risk and liability of what testing would show by an employee from the LA County Department of Mental Health of therapists who work in the jail. So I was able to interpret psychological testing for the entire team because I was the only psychologist. They only hired a one psychologist per facility unit, at least in the juvenile camp. In the halls, it wasn't a restriction like that. But in the camps, they really, they needed to hire 30 therapists when I was hired because they were definitely understaffed. And they wanted to hire one psychologist per dorm. And it was, I believe, eight dorms. So it was only eight of us out of 30, right? So letters don't change who you are. It only gives you a pay bump, for example. I don't want to say only, but it gives you a pay bump. Depending on who you want to work with or for or what platforms you want to be on, Some people focus on where even you got your degree from. So for example, I graduated from a Cal State, Cal State Dominguez Hills at Argosy. Most people that are not in the psychology field don't even know what the hell Argosy is. So I just start saying, uh, you know, a professional psychology school because they have another name for it. But it was just easier for me to say a professional psychology school. And believe it or not, I firmly believe that I didn't even get some teaching jobs at 
other larger, you know, universities simply because I didn't go to a pristine university for my undergrad or my master's or my doctorate. But I was okay with that because with divine timing, I am at exactly where I was supposed to be. And who would have known if I would have went into one of those jobs, became tenure, I would have probably still been there and had no room to do what I'm doing now. So I'm very grateful for rejections. That is a hell of a quote you should write down. I am grateful for rejections because rejections put me in the position to do what I'm doing now. All right. Um, Last thing I want to share with you is education is great. So some people may just want to go back for education just like I did. But there are certain things, depending on what you want to learn, that you can actually learn with CEs or you can do an investment and, you know, learn it in coaching. Okay, so if we're talking about business, your doctorate degree will not position you to learn about business. Your master's degree didn't do that. That is not a school's requirement to be even accredited. And a lot of students like clinicians get mad at that. And I'm like, shift your mood. Shift your energy. You should not be upset because your program didn't teach you anything about business or they didn't have a crash course on private practice. That is not what they're doing. They are pushing out employees to go work in facilities with people with mental health problems, not create their own businesses. Now, I know that we're in a different zone now, but if you look at most programs, they still do not include anything on branding, marketing, ideal client, and so forth, okay? So I really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode. What I would like you to do, if you know of anyone who's contemplating going back to school, meaning they've received, earned their master's degree, maybe they're pre-licensed or licensed, it doesn't matter, but maybe they're thinking about getting a doctor degree. I want you to do me a favor and share this podcast episode with them. Now, I am very grateful for your attendance and tuning in today, whether you are new or a returning member of our community on the podcast. But if you have not done so already, please make sure that you subscribe, follow the podcast episode on iTunes. Please leave me a five-star rating. And really important, I would love to hear in the comment section, what is your feedback? What was your biggest takeaway from this particular episode? Whether you want a doctor degree or not, what stood out to you? Because I still believe that I dropped plenty of nuggets even if you don't want a doctorate degree, right? And so I really love that you are tuning in and continuously increasing your personal development as it relates to your business. And if you want to get some abundance affirmations sent to your phone Monday through Friday, please text the word abundance to 310-388-8603. We've also put the keyword and the phone number in the show notes. Now, if you are desiring to either start or revamp because maybe you've plateaued, you're stuck in your private practice and you actually want profitability, not just paying your bills to get by, then feel free to join us on one of our trainings or one of my trainings that I have to assess the health of your mental health business. All you have to do is the same phone number, text the word assessment, like assessment of the mental health of your business. So just text the word assessment if you want to get the link to sign up for the training. All right. So I will see you in the next episode. And until then, connect with me on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle. 